Hi, this is Isa. And Lisa. Welcome to Internet Aesthetic. We talk about the internet, aesthetics, culture, and media. We're two Vietnamese American women who live in a society. And we're here to analyze it. Grab a snack and hang out with us. We are back. <laughs> now we're going to talk about third love. Third Love is an underwear company founded in 2013 and was the first to offer half-sizing of bras and a mobile app that allows you to measure yourself at home for a better fit. They positioned themselves as the feminist antithesis to Victoria's Secret's misogyny. Third Love is yet another millennial brand disrupting the bra industry with diverse models both in ethnicity and size and is focused on the feminist aspects of its business. In 2019, Vox published an article about Third Love's toxic culture. Employees joined because they thought it was a female-run environment that would empower women, but what they found was an involved co-CEO, David Spector, the husband of CEO Heidi Zack, Heidi Zack, um, who was, the husband was um, condescending and bullying. Norms of the company forbade negotiating salary, and that was a practice that was meant to even the playing ground between men and women but it allowed Third Love to offer low salaries instead that couldn't be negotiated. And they also forbade leaving before 6 p.m. or working from home or skipping happy hour. I feel like I hear about like companies forbidding skipping happy hour, not a lot, but enough that I'm like, that's weird. Like, why would you force people to come to happy hour? It's not even like yeah, a casual after hours type thing anymore. It's just like more work time. Yeah, and people have kids, like, yeah, we have to make dinner? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so around this time, David Spector was creating a, com- a campaign against Victoria's Secret, ranting about how they were this old-school company led by men, while himself becoming closely involved in the brand and brand marketing of Third Love, um, essentially, like, also becoming another company that was led by a man. He would, like, bully employees. Um, One Thanksgiving, when the CEOs left for Mexico for the holiday, the rest of the company was expected to work the day before and after unless they wanted to use their limited PTO, which was um, 15 days accrued. And then, oh yeah, so the mandatory happy hours were meant to create a close culture in the company, but people could be punished for not showing up. That sounds like a terrible environment. They need to learn how to run a company. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just like this gap between the company's external image and its internal culture that left people who joined feeling crushed. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, you, you go in and you think that it's going to be this feminist environment. I don't know. And then you just come in and it's just another company run by a man like Victoria's Secret. <laughs> <laughs> We were chatting about how, like, after reflecting on these kinds of companies, like, I realized it's the companies that say that they're inclusive. Wait, do we already talk about this in the pod or did I just mess it? We might have. I mean, we can talk about it again. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, companies that are praised for being, like, ethical, sustainable, inclusive, and diverse. Like, these are the companies that have such big scandals or maybe they are scandals because... The issues are in such opposition to like their quote unquote values. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, just it just it hurts more. Yeah, it hurts more. Like no one, 
no one is surprised if I don't know Exxon Mobil had like a bad work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Third Love CEOs have disputed the allegations of a toxic workplace. <laughs> so they're still in place. But yeah, that's Third Love. Hate that. Hate that for them. Yeah. So they didn't step down. That's that's interesting. No, they actually opened a like brick and mortar store or like a pop up oh. store. Yeah, that's how I found out that they were. They're like, that's wrong. We don't do that. <laughs> you want to do Pinterest? Yes. So Pinterest is another company that we flagged as having a toxic environment. So if you don't know, Pinterest is a social bookmarking site that is primarily used by women. Um, and so in December of 2020, Pinterest shareholders sued Pinterest's top executives for enabling a culture of discrimination. So apparently, the CEO would surround himself by a group of other white men who would just consistently silence women or people of color when they voiced any type of issues within the company. Mm-hmm. So the bulk of the allegations surfaced when two women of color shared that they were consistently underpaid compared to their white male colleagues of a similar experience level. And mm-hmm. so these women, they were the ones spearheading important projects like banning anti-vax content on the site or, um, I don't know, banning like plantation wedding posts. Basically content that is racist or sexist or just problematic and dangerous in mm-hmm. any way. And so yeah, these very women were the ones who were silenced um, as well for voicing concerns about, yeah, just like toxic behaviors within the company. Yeah. And so because of because of the work that these two women kind of surfaced, Pinterest COO Francoise Brewer also sued Pinterest. Um, and so apparently nice. Brewer, yeah, she was always ignored during key meetings. Like she's a C-suite person um, mm-hmm. and yet she was always ignored. She was given gendered feedback and was actually very underpaid compared to everyone else in C-suite. And so after she brought up a lot of her concerns about, you know, being treated unfairly, she was fired. Dang. So because she was fired, she is suing Pinterest because that's just unlawful um, termination. Yeah. So yeah, heck? yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of, I think this Pinterest story is a little interesting to me because like the nature of the toxic environment, they like, came to a head at like such a high level for a lot of the examples that we've talked about, the people being stepped on are kind of people at the, the lowest rung on the ladder. Yeah. But it's important to note that people, even up until the very top level of the company, also face a lot of like toxicity. And so there are yeah. also other, yeah, there are other horror stories. Yeah, I mean, like one of like the, um, I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but one of the like ways to, we suggest, we're going to suggest to like kind of handle it was to, like, speak up, but, like, even when you're at, like, the executive level, you're not, like, safe from being mm-hmm. fired for speaking up. That's... Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. How can, like, how can people who aren't, like, executives or managers, like, feel safe speaking up if even people who are, like, chiefs can't speak up? Yeah. And because she was C-suite, she was able to, you know, invest the time and the resources to sue Pinterest and work with these other women to sue Pinterest. However, like the average Joe will not have 
those resources or that time, honestly. So, and I'm sure like after she was fired, she could easily find another position at a different company given how successful and important she is. However, not everyone has that same luxury. So, yeah. So, yeah, there were other horrible stories that these women brought up, including ones where male coworkers would make very offensive sex jokes. I won't read those because they're really gross, but yeah, the harassment that they faced was very diverse. <laughs> and so, in conclusion, Pinterest is currently doing more diversity trainings and sexual harassment trainings and et cetera, all these you know things that companies try to do to save face. Um, and to this, to this day, Pinterest is still very popular. I don't know if they took any hit in, I guess, like their activity and like their their user, what, what's the phrase for it? User base? Yeah, their user base, I don't think is aware of this or yeah. it seems like Pinterest has not really suffered any major consequences from these scandals. I wasn't aware. <laughs> I totally was not aware until you put Pinterest on the list and I was like oh man like I really liked Pinterest now I feel kind of weird using it but yeah Yeah. I mean I feel like when it's a tech product specifically it's a little harder to boycott it like it's easy to boycott Everlane you can buy clothes anywhere else literally but Mm -hmm. (laughs) there really is no replacement for Pinterest and I guess we can spend like a whole another episode just talking about toxic workplaces as they pertain to technology companies specifically. But mm-hmm. that is just uh, a whole other can of worms that yeah, yeah, we'll save for another time. Yeah, I was just looking it up, and apparently Pinterest settled for twenty two point five million. Oh, okay. Yeah, I probably should have yeah. researched that. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, they did not admit to any liability though. Boo. So they agreed to pay $22.5 million, and they're agreeing to donate $2.5 million towards charities that support women and underrepresented minorities in tech with a focus on education, funding, and advocacy. Uh, huh. Okay. Well, <laughs> of an apology would also be nice to the people yeah. that they specifically wronged. It's so funny that, like, they're like, we didn't do anything wrong, but we're going to give you money anyway. <sighs> I think they're, like, trying to protect themselves from other lawsuits. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this is just the stuff that came to a head from the highest levels of the company. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of other shit that went down, too. Yeah. That just wasn't reported on. Yeah. But yeah, that's Pinterest. Yay, next. Away. I mean, I don't know if you're, are you aware of the Away? Yes, I was like knee deep in that Verge article <laughs> and all the follow-ups, <laughs> but remind me, it is such a great story. Yeah, I feel like it was pretty big, just because I think a lot of startup venture capitalist types were kind of um, talking about how it was a hit piece. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> Away <laughs> is a direct-to-consumer luggage brand. It's a suitcase company, essentially. Founded in 2015 by Steph Corey and Jen Rubio. And they're popular for, like, I would say, like, pretty colorful, rolling hard shell suitcases. They have built-in chargers. It's another millennial brand with Instagrammable suitcases. And I think they kind of try and position themselves as, like, a travel company. Mm. You said that you were interested in a way? Yeah, I was. I was going to go on vacation and I was 
considering an away luggage, but then the mm-hmm. scandal happened conveniently Ooh. right before. Nice. So, yeah, I bought Manos, which is beautiful luggage. I think cheaper than away yes. to higher yeah. quality. I think they're like very, they're basically the same in my mind. They're basically the same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my goals is to buy a mono suitcase one day. Yes! We can Yay. match! Yay! Okay, yeah, so in December 2019, The Verge published an expose about how founder Steph Corey, in particular, pushed success by any means necessary, creating a culture of surveillance, verbal abuse, and an overwhelming workload that would spill into nights and weekends. I think most notably, like, they used Slack. A lot of this abuse happened through Slack, primarily Mm -hmm. because, like, they used Slack exclusively. Like, emails weren't allowed. People couldn't send direct messages to another coworker about work-related things. They could only use it for, like, more personal matters, like, oh, do you want to get lunch? Mm. (laughs) Private channels could only be, yeah, so private channels could only be made for work-related purposes, And these rules were meant to create transparency, but they instead created a culture of intimidation and surveillance. The CEO, Steph Corey, was a prevalent Slack user. Once when a customer received a suitcase with incomplete initials, she said that the person in charge must have been brain dead and threatened to take over. And it created this culture of public humiliation where everyone could see you being wrung out for some mistake that could have been handled privately instead. And the transparency of using Slack also allowed Corey to micromanage and control the company. One of the employees at the company, when she joined, she found out that there was like a private channel that was made against company rules. It was called Hot Topics for POC and LGBTQ employees to vent. And Steph Corey found out about it. And then upon reviewing it, she actually let go of six employees in the channel for being discriminatory. Um, the irony yeah so they were asked to work long hours and were reprimanded on slack if they did not answer their messages immediately this was like i think particularly for like the sales team or like customer service company values would get twisted around to manipulate employees into working more you know like to quote empowered employees didn't schedule time off when things were busy, regardless of how much they'd been working. Customer-obsessed employees did whatever it took to make consumers happy, even if it came at the cost of their own well-being. A customer experience associate said that her manager pushed them to work long hours and manipulated them with caring messages, but would contact them personally for verbal confirmation that they could work if they didn't respond. Once, they had been working through a bunch of like holidays before this and they thought they would be able to take new year's day off but at the time they were just like being slammed with like all of these requests and questions because i think they were like launching a a new like suitcase design or something and the manager like sent a message saying that the team could take the day off as planned or each work six hours and take a month off as a reward instead which sounds pretty nice but like The employee speculates that it's because the team had been working overtime without pay and Corey was trying to compensate before there were legal repercussions. (gasps) So they were owed that time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Evil. What makes someone think they could just treat employees this way? Like in our the year of our Lord 2020, like or was this 2020? 2019? Oh yeah, 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, this was 2019, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, when I was reading the article again, apparently, like, Steph Curry was also, like, a fairly hard worker, and she would, like, also work late into the night, and I mean, like, that's fine if she wants to do that, but why why make your employees do that? Like, they have lives. There are literally laws that prevent that from happening, so... Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading the employees were gonna go home or something, and then, like, I guess their manager was like, oh, take a picture of yourself with your computer. Like, I'm gonna oh, be, yeah. like, like, taking selfies to show that they were working, essentially. Like, it's crazy. <sighs> so toxic. Yeah. It's not uh, worth it, too. <laughs> right? Like, I can't even imagine. Like, honestly, I immediately clock out i'm like <laughs> as soon as i i hit my eight hours i'm like i'm out goodbye <laughs> <laughs> no that's the thing like with these i guess like more quote unquote progressive company cultures where you're encouraged to like be obsessed with the product be obsessed with the customer and p- pretty much like do whatever it takes to like serve them and then mm-hmm. also like a company culture that tries to foster closeness like I really don't trust companies where like people try to be f- like really close friends with each other because that's like a signal to me that oh you've gone through so much shit that you feel like bonded to these people no I don't I don't want that I'm sorry yeah yeah that was the other thing that the article mentioned was that like um the customer service team in particular like they just bonded so closely to each other because of like (laughs) the hell that they were going through that like if one of them had to stay behind they would all stay behind just to like be supportive i was like damn (sighs) i could never i'd be like bye bitches But I, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I would, like, you become friends with these people and you feel bad, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, the Verge article has multiple stories like this. It's, like, very long, but it's a very good read. And so after the article was published, Steph Corey stepped down on December 9th, but then renounced her resignation in January. <laughs> However, in July of 2020, hint, hint, <laughs> um, <laughs> funny enough. She finally stepped down after comments she made on social media attacking digital-only media companies for having non-existent um, editorial standards. And this really frustrated employees that she would choose to speak up about something personal to her rather than, like, Black Lives Matter or Pride, and it made them feel like she hadn't learned anything at all. So that's kind of where Away has left off. I wonder, yeah, how their sales have been impacted because I don't know, like, who in their right mind is purchasing I don't know, an away luggage and supporting a monster like her. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like people probably just aren't aware that it's happened. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe I'll reread the article again. It was definitely a treat. (laughs) It really was. that reporting. (laughs) There was, like, so much drama. I was like, yes! Yeah. Spill! (laughs) Well, the next company that we've identified as toxic, or at least company with a very toxic workplace environment, is Glossier. So Glossier is a beauty company that sells very aesthetically packaged makeup and skincare. It is the makeup company founded by the same person who created the publication Into the Gloss. So I would say that 
Glossier has really nailed or even set the blueprint for a bland millennial makeup brand. Um, And it just appeals to the masses, like teenagers. Yeah, it really does. Like, I love their LA store. They're like little um, canyon room. Yeah. It's so cute. (laughs) It's so cute. They've really nailed it. Yeah, and I love their their jumpsuits. Also, everything is cute. Like, I I do love their packaging. (laughs) Yeah, so unfortunately, (laughs) similar to Everlane, a group of ex-Glossier employees created a blog called Out of the Gloss. And they shared many stories about times that they experienced racism and harassment. So some of the stories they shared were about management harassing employees, but I would say the bulk of the stories were about customers harassing employees and then Mm. management just like straight up not doing anything about it and not protecting their employees. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was an interesting case because... It is like a little bit of a different flavor of like who is, you know, being the harasser and who is mm-hmm. contributing to this toxic environment. Yeah. So one example was a manager telling a very light skinned black employee that you are a chocolate soul in a white body um, and then touching Gross. the employee's hair, which is just a no in any situation. But mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, this is very racist and yeah. totally inappropriate. And so that was one story about management harassing employees. But employees also faced re- racism regularly in the store. So I know we, we both love the LA store. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, a lot of customers would, yeah, be very racist toward the staff there. There was a blackface nice. incident where a bunch of teenage girls just came in and swatched the darkest foundation shade, which was obviously not their yeah. shade. and behaved in ways that were very minstrel-like, overt racism in like the worst form possible. Yeah. So that was one incident. Another one was when, you know, a loyal customer would constantly um, frequent the store and call one of the Latina employees an illegal. And even though this employee voiced her concerns over her safety and just discomfort constantly Mm -hmm. to management, they were like, no, it's okay. We can't ban her. She's, you know, a really great customer. Ugh. So yeah, horrible. So I think overall it's a toxic environment because management was aware of all of these issues. Sometimes they were perpetuating these issues by also being like racist themselves. But for the mm-hmm. most part, they just did absolutely nothing to make their employees feel safe in a retail environment, which I feel like is already stressful as it is. Yeah. So yeah sad for glossier no yeah so yeah i think this is also a case of specific to like that store and like the managers who work in that store but just Mm -hmm. because you know it's not representative of like glossier corporate doesn't mean that glossier corporate doesn't have the obligation to correct this behavior Mm -hmm. everyone up to the ceo should have said like this is wrong and we need to do everything we can to make people feel safe that's just like basic HR. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And they couldn't do it. So yeah, that was uh, last year. That really sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Retail just sucks, period. But like mm-hmm. this just takes a cake for a sucky <laughs> environment. Like no no amount of like aesthetic, I don't know. Like even if your workplace is super aesthetic and beautiful and you get free makeup, like it's just not worth it. 
when you're in the environment. Yeah, at that point, it's just icing on a shit cake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We can just go into the signs of a toxic work environment. Odds are more likely than not that your workplace shows toxic behavior. Um, in like that second and now final episode of The Test Kitchen, Shruti Pinamanani noted the ubiquity of companies, including her own, saying they want to become more inclusive but failing to deliver. And she said, if you work in media and frankly in a lot of other industries, you've either seen this story or been a part of it. If you haven't seen it, you are definitely a part of it. (laughs) Yeah, so hustle culture leads to like a toxic work environment, you know, just like always about pushing yourself to the extreme, making that bread, (laughs) (laughs) just doing things at like any cost, even your own well-being can lead to a toxic work environment, especially like as we've seen with Away. Fast Company had an article about Away, actually, that talks about how there are two schools of thoughts on how to treat startup employees. The first says that staff should be cherished because harnessing the passion and brilliance of A players is key to success. And the second says that making a dent in the universe is hard and employees should expect to work tirelessly under the directives of visionary and sometimes mercurial founders. And so oftentimes, like, these companies end up being, like, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they, they want to be the first, but they end up being the second. And so, like, they, they spout, like, those values, but then when it comes to, like, actually acting on them, they don't. Or, like, they twist things yeah. in different ways so that it, like, benefits the, the company as opposed to the employee. That's that's a really important distinction that I didn't think about. Yeah, I mean, like any like cutthroat culture that's focused on growth. I think any any company that just prioritizes growth over the well being of their employees. I don't. I mean, like yeah, you should be making money or like like at least staying in the green or whatever it is. But like, I am like interested in this idea of like a slow growth company Mm -hmm. that's like focused more on like sustainable maintainable growth as opposed to like growing really fast and then like selling yourself to some other company like getting bought out or like doing that like ipo or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah i feel like like there are a lot of like companies that keep calling themselves startups even when they're not anymore (laughs) (laughs) I, like I think any company that's still calling themselves a startup when they're obviously not is like probably also gonna be toxic because I feel like um especially like with startups, I think the people who create startups are more invested and they're more likely to like invest that time and energy. And then as they keep hiring people, they still expect that level of time and mm-hmm. energy being put into their company even long after they've like found success. Yeah, oh, that's a great point. I can think of yeah, a lot of companies that still call themselves a startup when yeah, yeah, clearly given their, quite frankly, how much money they have and how <laughs> many resources they have, like they absolutely don't need to be like milking out every last minute out of their employees' days. Yeah, so. yeah. When I was applying to Wish, they called themselves a startup, and I was like, "You guys have been around no. for a while. You're very big. 
you make a lot of money. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're allowed to call yourself a startup anymore. <laughs> Instacart exists in a kind of weird space where like because of the pandemic, they were able to grow like exponentially to the mm-hmm. point where like before the pandemic, I think they were genuinely like a real startup and now we do not have the infrastructure built that a real company should have Mm -hmm. and so in that way it's like we're a startup but like we have a lot of money and Mm -hmm. like a giant customer base now and like we've like yeah tripled in size pretty much and so they're still calling themselves a startup but like this is not sustainable yeah just not having these structures in place to support the growth I feel like a startup has the luxury to kind of figure that out and like work together quickly because they're small but like when you're big it's like this makes no sense (laughs) yeah and then like we've talked about this before but like I think a lot of companies that we're talking about they're perceived as liberal especially Silicon Valley types Mm -hmm. they like think of themselves as liberal and progressive they espouse all of these liberal San Francisco values but in practice it ends up as like just empty words with no real action behind them to create a culture of equality that is so true, yes. Because, <laughs> like, I think those same companies, again, are, like, startups, and then they just keep pushing everybody. This is kind of related, and, like, I actually kind of want to do an episode specifically about girl bosses, <laughs> but even so-called girl bosses, you you think that women, knowing what it's like to work in a toxic environment, would strive to create these, like, healthier businesses, but instead they've created their own. Like, a few of the companies that we've talked about are like women owned and yet Mm -hmm. like they still have these issues yeah so i don't know like all they've done is like perpetuate those same mistakes and this article that i was reading said that particularly these girl bosses like lacked diversity in their workplaces and in their feminism Mm -hmm. like it was primarily like you know white feminism (laughs) so yeah yeah and then i mean there are like more i think typical signs that like people think of when they think of like a toxic workplace environment is like you know insidious versus like overt racial discrimination or sexual harassment because like I think we've talked a lot about kind of um bullying and harassment and like pressure to like work more and harder Mm -hmm. that was very well researched thank you Lisa (laughs) (laughs) yeah when I was thinking about like signs of a toxic work environment I was just like reflecting on my own experiences. Uh-huh. So yeah, I really appreciate you doing research into what other people think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and actually I think like another like kind of a sign is if you're not supported, like if they don't like help you improve at your job or like give you like productive advice. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that could also be like toxic, especially if they have like these expectations on you and then they don't like help you like achieve mm-hmm. those those expectations yeah that's not leadership yeah that's oh. just throwing people in the deep end yeah i think honestly having important and like very competent leaders is like the cornerstone of a functioning workplace environment yeah so like i was going through our notes today and then i was thinking like how is the pandemic affected Mm. the toxic or just like work culture in general so like 
personally, I really love working from home. This is this has nothing to do with like a toxic workplace. I just I just love working from home. <laughs> um, I don't have to commute anymore. For me, I think communication has been easier just because I'm more clear when I can write out my thoughts rather than like kind of speak from the brain. I don't know, like mm-hmm. on the fly. And then, like, I mean, even, like, the few things that would be easier to communicate in person, like, I can just hop on a call and, like, share my screen and be like, do you like this more or this? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I do miss miss chatting with my coworkers. Like, I have, like, I had a desk kind of on the edge of, like, this walkway. And so a lot of people would, like, pass by and stop to chat. Oh, that's so sweet. But, yeah, but, like, not everybody likes that. I understand that I'm a fairly antisocial person, so <laughs> um, a lot can get lost in translation through messages. Um, you can't really read tone, and messages might be perceived more harshly than they're meant to be. Like, I really love those TikToks where people write passive-aggressive emails to each other, but like, it makes me like think twice about all the emails that I've sent or received. Like, oh, is this person being passive-aggressive to me? I don't know. But, like, I try not to overthink it. I'm like, you know, you say what you say. I'm not going to like interpret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What has been your experience? I also love working from home. I hate commuting. <laughs> and I think from, I'm also introverted. And I would say that even the extroverted people I know, like, even though they definitely miss going to the office, like, they also see the benefits of working from home. And mm-hmm. I can imagine having like a flexible work schedule um, would be ideal for everyone. But yeah, so it's interesting because I onboarded to Instacart remotely as a new new hire sorry oh my god ah the oh, cat is on the laptop oh no. hi kitty Please don't. oh god okay good she didn't she didn't um turn off the oh god she's like eating my mic i'm so sorry oh, it's okay i'm gonna keep this in <laughs> <laughs> she's so sad now Aww. okay sorry kitty so we'll play with you later yeah, she's she's really upset. Okay, so <laughs> this was yeah an interesting case where I was I never met my coworkers before, so I don't really know who they are. Or like, n- also most of my coworkers also onboarded remotely, oh. so there isn't really like there isn't anything to miss really. Like I don't mm. miss seeing them in person. I don't miss yeah like yeah we didn't we never had like lunch together before. So, but yeah, it is, it is like burnout in its own way though, because it's like my entire life now exists in this like small portal to the internet. Like that is my Mm -hmm. laptop. And like, did I make up my job? Is my job real? Did I like imagine it? I don't know. (laughs) And that's been also a little hard for me. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't like feeling watched. Yeah. I'm really glad like I don't have that anxiety anymore. Yeah. Yeah, another thing that, like, you reminded me of is when people get on board during the pandemic, especially if their coworkers have worked in an office before together, like, I think it can be easy to feel excluded, I guess, is another potential issue. No, that was, yeah, I was super worried about that when I joined Mm -hmm. this crowd. I was like, oh, everyone's going to know each other. They're going to have history. And I'm just going to be, like, you know, 
pixels on their screen but it was really refreshing to hear that literally like no one has met anyone <laughs> so but yeah I can see how that could have been an issue because in my old company we had half remote workers and half of us came in person and that remote people always shared with us like we don't really feel like a part of the company and like that was like a huge pain point just for remote work in general yeah Another, like, potential issue is employees could be overlooked during remote meetings just because it's easier to be muted during a meeting and just never unmute. Mm -hmm. And that could, like, cause coworkers or managers to think that you're slacking off. A way to fix that is just, like, to take more initiative to involve people in meetings. Another issue is, like, the line between work and life gets blurred. So um, people could be working longer hours than before, leading to exhaustion and burnout. So, you know, if you can, if your workplace is not toxic, try and establish those boundaries if they are toxic and they are pressuring you to work outside of actual work hours. Good luck. I don't, I don't know what else to say, man. I guess, like, that's the other thing is um with Away, a lot of, like, the stories came from customer service, but, mm-hmm. like, the technology, IT, or just, like, um what is it like I don't know like web development the technology side of the company they're like we don't have any issues we're fine it's cool (laughs) (laughs) and it's like yeah okay that's your experience (laughs) (laughs) I feel like yeah it could probably be really easy to just like work all the time yeah I think that's certainly true because I don't know I feel like maybe this is my just speculation but but the pandemic made people feel like less secure about their job industries Mm -hmm. we never thought would be like industries that I thought were infallible Mm -hmm. completely collapsed like all my friends who were in like recruiting and HR and whatever like all their jobs got slashed and Mm -hmm. I feel like people if they are hired during a pandemic feel a much greater sense of urgency to like be their best and like grind much harder than they have before so that they don't lose their job yeah and so yeah I think that like that line definitely gets blurred because I mean anytime you start a new job you want to put your like 150% into it so your team feels like they made the right choice and so like that coupled with working from home theoretically you could really outperform your role Mm -hmm. and yeah I don't I don't like that (laughs) Yeah, I think that would be, like, kind of the main effect of the pandemic is just losing job security um, and feeling like you can't say no or you can't speak up about things that you don't like because it might hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, another, like, effect, pandemic effect is, like, micromanaging. A lot of employees are apparently using this surveillance software to make sure that, like, you're always online and um, your status is, like, never away. But like I've seen I've seen people come up with their own software to like just always like I think they have it so that it like always presses like some button so that like your computer is like always active. (laughs) I thought this was like a pretty interesting report. There's like this work consultation firm that did a report in 2021 and it like took into consideration the effects of the pandemic. So there was an increase of 11% of employees citing weak corporate culture as the greatest um, source of workplace conflict. And like they felt that their culture was not resilient enough to help people adapt to like the social change. 
likely due to the isolation caused by the pandemic. For office workers, it's because like, you know, having to work from home and not being able to connect with their coworkers, especially new hires, like we said. And then for essential workers who, you know, have to work in person, like they're working in like smaller and more dispersed groups. So like they can't connect with their coworkers as much. Mm-hmm. There was a 5% increase in employees who felt they had to minimize their personal identities to fit into their job. This is This is again related to like job stability. So like as economic uncertainty decreased, so did the need to like fit in and like perform work duties regardless of external stressors caused by the pandemic Mm -hmm. the rise in racism and the protests against them like managing your family and just like politics i know that i was not as productive during the november election and then like Mm -hmm. the riot in january i was just like i was just reading articles the whole day (laughs) just like Um, refreshing my newsfeed yeah yeah so between 33 to 42% of employees didn't feel valued or that they belonged, which was a 6% decrease in employees who cited in-group, out-group dynamics as the greatest source of workplace conflict, likely due to fewer interactions in person. The report mentioned that like this small shift could also be because like employees already didn't feel like their workplace didn't foster a culture of belonging in the first place so having to work from home didn't make a difference Mm, in whether or not they felt like they belonged people might be more unlikely to report bad behavior or say no to work requests that could overload them because they didn't want to risk losing their jobs 33 percent of employees felt uncomfortable saying no to managers and a this was a decrease of four percent from the previous year no, no, 33% of employees felt comfortable saying no to managers. This was a decrease of 4% from the previous year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then 44% of employees weren't confident that management would take a complaint seriously, which was an increase of 7%, allowing bad behavior to persist. That makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's because, like, all of the... The reports that have been coming out about like all these different companies just reinforces people's ideas that like you know it's just human resources is there to like protect the company and not you mm-hmm. but yeah on a positive note like with the me too movement and a rise in black lives matter and a rise in the awareness of like asian hate mm-hmm. more people are willing to get involved Two-thirds of people would intervene if they saw inappropriate behavior. 32% of employees are committed to being upstanders or people who would like speak up or act in support of another person, um, an increase of 5%. And 71% of people would intervene even if the person was someone they weren't close with, which is an increase of 6%. So that's awesome. Yay! Yeah. The report like actually had it the other way. They were like, 29, 29% wouldn't intervene <laughs> if the person was was someone they weren't close with. And I was like, why would, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so I spun it to be more positive. <laughs> 41% of employees are experiencing miscommunication through technology, but that's actually a decrease of 10%. But oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I think it's just because, I mean, we've had a year of the pandemic now of just, like, yeah. Like, people are probably, like, they know how to use Zoom now, so. Yeah. 
But like they also saw a 7% decrease in the belief that coworkers could read their moods or like just like the mood of the the call or like through chats. Likely because, you know, chats are harder to gauge tone and when you're in person like it's a little bit more difficult, I guess, to like figure out if the person is like in a good mood or a bad mood when they're wearing yeah. a mask. Also saw a 15% increase in empathy just cuz I think you know, people are more understanding with everything going on. And then a 7% increase in employees who felt their organizations were doing a good job defining their DEI goals, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then I think the last point that I wanted to mention was like four to five people acknowledge that they make assumptions about people based on their appearance, which like sounds bad at first, but you need to be able to acknowledge that you have a bias before you can address it. So like good first step yeah yeah so those are all my numbers (laughs) nice yeah it's it's cool that they've been running that report consistently so we can more clearly see how the pandemic has been affecting people so yeah yeah i had to like give them my information and then they were like what company do you work at i was like i'm just gonna put in the podcast (laughs) (laughs) we can incorporate yes So our next section is how to handle it. Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately, I feel like there are not like a lot of great ways to handle like a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. Call it out when you see it, especially if you feel like you have the privilege or like the job security to do so. But like, as we've seen, like, even if you're like a top executive, like you can still be fired for saying something that like they don't agree with. Mm -hmm. another point that we've made is like to find just like friends so that you don't feel alone and like you have a support group at work like someone you can complain to (laughs) (laughs) and then like for me like the final solution is just leave um start looking for a new job (laughs) if that's if that's something possible for you just get out and like find another place that is hopefully less toxic or toxic in a different but more manageable way (laughs) no and I think that's really important I wrote that too because I mean more often than not you can try your best and like go through all of the steps to like correct the wrong and like make the company realize that it was wrong but I mean, I don't know, like, the odds of you actually being successful at that. And so Mm -hmm. it's not cowardly to leave a company, like, if you are being mistreated. Like, I think there's a stigma around that. Like, people feel ashamed of, like, first off, being, like, victims of harassment or, like, of a toxic work environment. Yeah. And then they feel like they're weak for some reason if they're not able to withstand it, especially if it's toxic because of a work hustle. Wait, what was it? Hustle culture? Yeah. So, yeah. This is your sign, um, this is your your green light that it's not <laughs> bad at all to leave a job if you can yeah. for those reasons. Because, like, yeah, even if you try your best to correct the wrongs, like, they might not change and your situation might not change. So It might get worse. It might get worse, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. There's this TV show on Netflix called Tuca and Birdie. Um, <gasps> yeah! Yeah, yay! Oh, wait, you watched it? It's so yeah! <laughs> oh, okay. There's, they're coming out with a second season on Adult Swim. I don't what? know how I'm going to watch it. Like, I don't know if you have to, like, sign up for something, but I'm going to try. 
I really like that show. Yeah, it's so good. Ali Wong voices one of the characters. Birdie? And then, yeah, Birdie. And then who is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Tiffany Haddish voices Tuga. The Toucan. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what bird Birdie is supposed to be. She's literally just <laughs> just a bird. Yeah. In Tuga and Birdie. Like, Birdie starts working at this cafe, right? And then one of the scenes, like, the chef there, or, like, the pastry chef there, like, he, he, like, um, I mean, it's been a long time since I've watched that show, but he does this thing where he kind of, like, forces her to stand over, like, a pot of, like, boiling water or something, like, something really hot, and he just, like, forces her to, like, stand over this pot, and, like, he kind of, like, Mm -hmm. shoves her face right over it, and, like, she's massively uncomfortable, but she, like, doesn't really fight it. But then later in the season, like, this other bird starts working there. And the pastry chef tries the exact same thing on her. And she, like, kind of, like, lashes out. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm leaving. (laughs) And then she, like, turns to Birdie and she's like, because, like, they were friends. She was like, why didn't you tell me about this? And then, like, Birdie feels, like, super ashamed of herself for, like, one, not warning her coworker about it, but also, like, for letting it happen to her. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to speak up, especially when, in in Birdie's case, like, this was, like, a job she really wanted. You know, she didn't want to lose it. Yeah. It's, it's really challenging to... I mean, because a lot of times you can't change that situation. Like, I think in that case, wasn't it, like, an award-winning pastry chef or something? Yeah. Or... So it's like you're you're not gonna change this person, like mm-hmm. it's it's not gonna happen in like the how many years they've been like this acclaimed star. So I know in like mm-hmm. a lot of environments like that, like like the restaurant industry, like I'm sure working under Gordon Ramsay must be challenging. <laughs> so I mean, in that case, you have to think about the trade offs. Like, is yeah. the reward worth this pain? And like, yeah, if you can fight it, like sure, but the risk is that you might lose your job. Like, I think the other thing is, like, Birdie, like, had normalized it. And so, I don't know if she, in this season, if she thought to warn about what happened to mm-hmm. her. But, like, I feel like maybe she just didn't think it was, like, a big deal. Or, like, she, like, rationalized it to herself in a way that she thought maybe it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, you come into, like, a workplace and you see all these things that, like, aren't right. But I think at this point in time, like, a lot of us are just, like used to like shitty work environments <laughs> um, so yeah i don't know i think you're just like this is normal this is fine <laughs> yeah it's like this is probably the the best it can get so just yeah. deal with it all right i was just gonna say i really like your point about finding friends and allies mm-hmm. so that you feel like your experience is not invalid i feel like if birdie like onboarded with another person to that pastry chef like they could have felt like they had room or like birdie could have recognized that this behavior is not right and like yeah not just like have shrugged it off because there's another person who's also going through the same thing and yeah i know i definitely like relied a lot in my co-intern when i worked at fat fit fun mm-hmm. and like whenever i felt like oh maybe like this coworker is stealing my ideas but I'm just the intern so I don't really know and then 
my co-intern be like, no, they're definitely stealing our ideas. Like, they've been stealing my ideas for, like, months now. So, yeah, it's, I know, yeah, it's, like, it's super important to, to have someone just to verify that Mm -hmm. they're not crazy. But also, I think it's, supporting a friend is the easiest way to, I think, ameliorate a toxic environment because, I think the first thing you should do when you do witness harassment is like talk to that person like one-on-one first and see whether even they're interested in escalating it because it's mm-hmm. up to them. It's not within, I think, your right to escalate it unless like it affects you too. So yeah, yeah I think that's just, for me, like the number one way because it's just every other way sounds yeah very challenging yeah. and like risky, but I know like they're impactful too. Just yeah. supporting your friends, helping them out. Yeah. What really needs to happen is like the people in power need to examine how their workplace is toxic and just like change things. But like mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're often they're not gonna do that just because like one, either they like don't see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like on purpose that way, just to like yeah. get like just extract everything out of your employees as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the status quo. They're not going to bother. It's the way it's always been. But if they did, they could stop micromanaging. They could provide necessary resources to support employees and their performance. Be more open and transparent and encourage others to share their opinions. Provide a safe place for anonymous feedback. I think this is, like, really important to just feel like, hey, this guy or person was just, like, really shitty. (laughs) (laughs) And like you know, you you don't have to worry about like repercussions from mm-hmm. said said person that was shitty. Yeah. Um. You know, like value your employees. Like show that you value your your employees. Give them praise and recognition. That was like what the article said. And I was like, also money, pay them more, give them promotions. Yeah. Um. Clarify promotion criteria, as we saw in Reply All and Gimlet Media. I think um, there was, like, no, like, outline for, like, a promotion. And then, so then it's, like, you just, like, keep taking on more work, hoping that, like, they'll promote you, but then they don't. And then now you have, like, all these responsibilities. Yeah. Um, Create a clear vision. Don't be vague. Have a direction and a plan. Like, if you don't have a clear vision... Like, everybody else is going to be, like, oh, maybe we should, like, do this or this instead. And then, like, everybody's kind of opposing each other and, like, energy is going into things that, like, it shouldn't be going into. Mm-hmm. To go back to, like, the transparency thing is, like, you know, like, I-, I guess acknowledge that your workplace is toxic and it's not where it needs to be. And, like, outline how you're going to change that. But, like, be realistic about it. Like, don't overpromise and be like, oh, by next year, we're going to be, like, a perfect company. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and then this was, like, interesting to me. It was, like, establish the rules of risk-taking. Because, like, a lot of companies, I think particularly, like, um, startups and, like, tech company types, um, they're always like, oh, like, we want a risk-taker. But when employees take risks that don't pan out, they get punished for it. So just kind of like establishing those those guidelines for like what happens or like how what risks to take 
we're just like getting approval for risks for risk <laughs> ideas i guess and then also i guess like being okay with failure you know like this didn't pan out and we lost money but that's okay <laughs> yeah obviously having security that you won't be punished for yeah. yeah that choice because it was collectively decided by a team and not just you yeah exactly also like i saw this um this one article at some time where this guy like made a mistake and it like cost the company like ten thousand dollars or something and um he thought he was gonna get fired but mm-hmm. like they they kept him anyway and he was kind of like why didn't you guys fire me and they were like well <laughs> you just learned a $10,000 lesson. Like, we've invested $10,000 in you. <laughs> and I was like, that's, like, a really good way of thinking about it. Yeah, that is. So, yeah, so those are, like, some things that, like, companies could do. There are probably yeah. others. Yeah. It's a good It's a good list. Yay. Yay. Cool. Thanks for listening to Internet Aesthetic. The music for this podcast is Rose Ornamental by Blue Dot Sessions. If you enjoyed listening, you can find us on Instagram at net.aesthetic or leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash internet aesthetic. We hope you join us again next week. Bye! Bye! Bye.